0: What order, will the top three tight ends be drafted next year? Which Patriot is the correct call for the FFPC Playoff Challenge? And could the Vikings defense be money for the contest's $100,000 grand prize? Plus, the 2017 FFPC Terminator champion Tom Murphy co-hosts with me tonight and discusses his RV, RV, RV best ball start when it's time to punt on your studs in the contest, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Tom Murphy is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your special Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Live from the WRST radio studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's The Eric Balkman Show. Thank much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. And my co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, but he is actually off this week and sitting in for him tonight is an FFPC high stakes player uh, who actually joined the FFPC three years ago, had minimal cashes in his first two years, However, this year he cashed in several leagues, including second place in a 1250 Big Dog Best Ball, and he won the $10,000 uh, grand prize in the 2017 FFPC Terminator Championship. Altogether, a $14,000 purse, not a bad season at all. Please welcome into the show my co-host for this evening's festivities, Mr. Tom Murphy. Tom, thanks for sitting in the co-host here tonight, man.
1: Thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, absolutely, and you know, anytime I, you know, I, I always joke and I say, "Oh, we've we've upgraded tonight from uh, from Dave Gerzak." I'm not joking. <laughs> I I really mean it. This is an actual upgrade tonight I'm excited to have you on and we're going to have a a fantastic show we're definitely I know I'm going to be excited to pick your brain about the Terminator and and just fantasy football in general we have so much to get to uh coming up on tonight's show have we changed our minds on Eric Ebron what do we think about Chris Godwin in his sophomore season next year and much more a shout out to the chat room right now if you uh, have any questions you can post those in there Uh, Rob our mutual friend and producer as well as our audio engineer Bryce and I will be doing our best to monitor all those questions, and we'll try to answer them tonight. Uh, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at hsffhour at Eric Balkman. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page at HSF hsffhour. And if you want to give us a call and talk with myself or Tom, or really both of us, uh, give us a call at 347 426 3682. That's 347 Game Over. Fantasy Football at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, to uh, to contact us at as well, uh, and uh, like I said, Rob, Bryce, myself, we'll, uh, we'll get those questions answered in the second half of the show. Uh, a bit of housekeeping news, once again, at the top of the show. I want to tell everybody about uh, the other, uh, so the sister podcast of the show, the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, the season finale with uh, 23rd place Football Guys Players Championship finisher Matthew Caps and uh, 2016 FFP the main event co-champion David Hubbard is up right now rotoviz.com slash podcast it's a season wrap up show so it is an extended show I think it's probably my goodness like 75 80 minutes long it's pretty it's pretty long it's a long one but there's a lot of good stuff in there with uh with Matt Caps and a lot of good stuff as we look forward to the next season and uh the news I could break on the show tonight it has been renewed for season three so throughout 2018 you'll be able to hear from uh, many high stakes players uh, on that show as well, rotoviz.com slash podcast. I believe the schedule is going to be going for the first Thursday of every month. We will have a new show. And then uh, starting in September, the show will uh, return from monthly to weekly shows through the end of 2018. So very exciting stuff there, com slash podcast. Uh, let's talk about tonight's show. Let's talk about tonight's guest. He won the uh, FFPC Terminator uh, t- uh, title, $10,000 that went along with it. Uh, Tom, I want to talk fantasy with you, but before we do, tell the listeners what you're doing for a living when you are not winning the Terminator Terminant.
1: Well, um, before I do that, I just want to give a shout out to all the FFPC players that are, in, are tuned in tonight, along with my WFL and my MESFL compadres. Uh, special thanks to Lord Anthony. And my son Kenneth, who are my partners and mentors in several leagues. Uh, when I'm not on the uh, fantasy football uh, circuit, I'm a school teacher at Lancaster High School in Western New York.
0: God bless you. You know, my my wife is a school teacher as well, and I always like to get more teachers on the show. It's an it's an untapped uh, market of uh, of fantasy goodness here that uh, that we get on the <laughs> show. So I always appreciate. Uh, getting those viewpoints. That's awesome. Hey, so let me ask you this. So did your students, did they know anything about, you know, how how close you were coming down to the last few weeks of the season, how close you were to they, to be winning a five-figure grand prize?
1: They absolutely did. Um, I actually use some of the fantasy football uh, little fantasy stats and things in some of my math classes teaching special education. We have to make it real life. So we do some investment talking, and part of that uh, curriculum includes some minimal fantasy football uh scoring but no money no money changes hands in the classroom remember that
0: no no it just uh changes uh changes hands in your FFPC account that's basically how we like <laughs> to keep it on the show we'll keep it you know <laughs> nice and legal like that with the FFPC you know how we roll so let's talk yeah, about absolutely. this terminator title uh tom this is uh fantastic uh a, a score for you congrats on winning it uh I, you know i i did a little bit of cursory research into this team uh, when I looked at it uh, after uh, at, you know after you had won it, and I noticed that you actually started off this draft. This is for anybody who's who's the, to the uninitiated of the Terminator tournament. This is a 26 round best ball, and you have to cut one player every single week until the final weeks. So you're down with a down to a 10 team starting lineup. Um, so, you, but you have to terminate a player off your team every single week, which is part of the strategy with it. So, 26 rounds best ball contest. Three straight running backs is how you let off this draft. Now, this wasn't the only, because you played a lot of best balls this year, Tom. This was not the only best ball that you started off running back, running back, running back. I'm wondering if this is your preferred way to start off these formats for these drafts.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Eric. I I spent the most amount of time this past summer doing research and watching uh, YouTube videos and several podcasts of many organizations, yourself included. Um, And what I found was you got to have a strategy. And what I did this year, uh, in years past, I always had a solid uh, full-time running back to anchor my team. So this year what I did is I extended that and said, all right, well, if I'm going to go best ball, being impulsive the way I am, I had not had too much success in the uh, players' championship or the uh, main event, in years past. So I said, you know what? Best ball is right up my alley. So as you could see on my site, I drafted a ton of best ball teams. And the ones that I had to uh, put lineups in were the live ones that I did in my WFL and my mess FL, which are local leagues with friends and family. But what I did is this year, I said, uh, from my research with several sites on YouTube, I said, I'm going to take a shot, you know, and and in fantasy football, that's what it comes down to. So I said, I'm going to take the best players, available to me in my spot. And the best players that fell to me in this particular league were three running backs, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, and Devonta Freeman. And I thought that was pretty good way to start. And what it caused me to do is then I had to find fourth round on down uh, receivers to stream and obviously tight ends and quarterbacks. I think the big kick for me personally was I zeroed in on a uh, fourth round uh, area for a, for a stud quarterback, which I know is a little offbeat for a lot of the uh, fantasy football players. But I'll tell you, I zeroed in on either Rodgers or Brady in that fourth round, and uh, it worked out well for me. Tom Brady had an outstanding year, both with yardage and touchdowns. And um, as you well know, the F- FFPC balances the scoring so well with the uh tight ends being 1.5 per catch and touchdown passes only being worth four. So yardage was huge and Brady was a consistent factor all year for me with that fourth round pick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And certainly the Brady teams ended up being a little bit better than the Rodgers teams, no doubt this year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the actual termination factor for you in this, in this contest, because I would imagine, I've never played anything like this before, but I would imagine, you know, trying to pick the right player to drop at the right time, um, you know, for whatever, you know, however your team is structured and however it's looking going forward has got to be quite a challenge. And and certainly there's a lot of strategy uh, that goes into that. I'm curious, what was your most difficult drop that you ran into this season that you're like, boy, I I really don't know if there's a good player to drop this week. I'm going to have to take a chance and cut this guy. What was the toughest decision for you?
1: Well, there were a couple of them that I would zero in on. Uh, In Week 10, I still had two defenses streaming, Miami and Buffalo, and I actually considered dropping Buffalo because they were having a pretty good stint there where they were weak in the middle of the mid-late season. But I took a shot, being from Buffalo area, and I dropped Miami, and uh, it worked out very well, as you know. In the last week, uh, Buffalo got the uh, pick six on Brady, which helped my team tremendously. But it came down to either that – that drop or um possibly my jay cutler drop in week 13 uh jay cutler i had in several teams as my backup quarterback and he had some pretty poor weeks early on but obviously in a best ball league you can't cut anybody well except in terminator format you got to hang on to what you have you can't uh, change out any quarterbacks or other positions so i ended up cutting cutler and living and dying with brady which i thought was a pretty sound decision but the toughest one was probably that Miami defense in Week Ten because they were my security blanket. The uh, Buffalo Bills, uh, along with them. What? How do you
0: do? You look at how much you know, how much you have at a certain position, like how many backup quarterbacks, how many backup running backs, how many backup receivers, backup tight ends, you know, kickers, defenses, everything. Do you ever look at what your depth is before you make a drop? And and what's the position that you usually end up? Um, you know, getting down to just one first for you, Tom, like what's the first one that you you essentially leave yourself naked at it with no, no backups uh, as the season goes on in the Terminator.
1: Well, that happened a little bit by uh, (laughs) bad luck. I, um, as the season was progressing on, I had to make some decisions at wide receiver. I had some pretty average statistical receivers. And uh, so I was cutting them along the way Uh, Because I had three strong running backs, actually four, I had Theo Riddick, who came on nicely at the end of the season. And um, so I had four decent running backs. I felt pretty confident in them. So I was cutting receivers on a regular basis. I think I had something like eight receivers or seven receivers on my team. So I felt that I could cut some of them. But um, as the season progressed, I realized I was leaving myself a little short. So at the end of the season, I after I cut uh, Taylor Gabriel for Atlanta in Week 12, who, by the way, had an outstanding Week 16, so it goes to show you that there's some uh, luck involved in this, I uh, I held on to Chris Hogan along with Fitzgerald and Sanu, um, which, again, if you remember, I got three running backs early, Brady in the fourth. I wasn't picking receivers till the fifth round, so I picked a whole basket full of them. And hope that they could do me well in a best ball format, which they did. And uh, so I, uh, I felt I had some uh, leverage there, and that I could cut them along the way. I think I might have made a mistake with Mike Wallace a little bit early from Baltimore, cutting him. He came on nice, like I said. Taylor Gabriel came on, but I held on to Chris Hogan, thinking he could break out and obviously have the hook up with Brady. And I ended up cutting him loose in week 16 as my final cut because, uh, obviously, with the injury situation, I probably held him a little too long through weeks uh, whenever he got hurt, 12, 13, somewhere in there, and he got me no production towards the end of the year.
0: You know, and I think that, I mean, there's a certain amount of strategy that goes into that when you're actually drafting this team. If you can hit on your studs early like you did at running back and then – just draft a boatload of receivers, it's easier to to just keep hammering that position down because you know who the haves are and who the have-nots are as the season goes on with your receivers. You know which players you hit on. You know which players you missed on. And when you have a huge um, portion of your team dedicated to that one position, it's okay to cut on those guys that that you're missing on. So I think that that was uh, an important part of your strategy that really worked out for you as well. I'm curious, and this doesn't really... Uh, necessarily apply to this specific team tom and tonight's co-host tom murphy ffpc terminator champion uh, speaking on the high stakes fantasy football hour with eric balkman tom when you have these studs that you're drafting in the first few rounds you know and and not just the first couple but let's say extrapolate out to like round five round six round seven uh you know in that still semi-stud range at what point do you Sort of start to give up on those guys. Like, how much leeway are you giving these early round picks that you build your team around? If if they start stinking, uh, you know, how much how much leeway can you possibly give them? Because, as as because it's a total points contest, you need to really be cooking every single week in this in this format, and you can't afford uh, to have these um these guys if they're not performing taking up roster spots. How much leeway do you usually like to give these early round? guys nice. well
1: I'll tell you um like I said if you're getting middle round streaming any position which mine happened to be the wide receiver position in my opinion this is my humble opinion I think you have to really give your uh studs a lot of leeway and that's because obviously you're counting on them had I cut loose uh you know Devonte Freeman when he got the concussion which was later in the season but but earlier than he probably should have been cut I, I think I would have I would have tanked my team. I would have sunk my team. It was an all-in type of thing, uh, using the poker analogy. But uh, but I think I think if you if you go in with a strategy, whether that's to have three tight ends and balance your team and three quarterbacks and three kickers, I've done that before. I've done that on a few teams this year, or whether it was to go. Um, gung-ho or all-in or balls-out, whatever you want to call it, like I did at quarterback this year. I literally lived and died with Tom Brady and Jay Cutler, and you know which the better of those two were. So I think you got to live with your studs, live with your strategy. Uh, my son's the uh, analytical one, so he brought all the uh, numbers and facts and figures to the table through the summer, and I'm the uh, feel feel kind of person. Feel it, what feels right. And uh, my son my son boo-hooed on the uh, Tom Brady fourth-round pick, said, no, wait on a quarterback, analytics say so, and all the stats. And I said, you know what, I want to have an anchor on my team. And, and, and even though I live in Buffalo, <laughs> which I guess is a little controversial, but I, uh, I banked on Tom Brady. And one of my scariest moments this year was when he had this uh, Achilles problem through the last few weeks. All I could picture was somebody else under center, and uh, there goes our season. But um, but it worked out for us. I, I imagine there's a, there's a measure of luck. There's a measure of avoiding injury. There's a measure of decision-making. But for me, um, being kind of an impulsive uh, decision-maker, you know, on those teams where you uh, have to make decisions, snap decisions, or thought-out decisions week in and week out, doesn't fit my best style. Best ball was custom-made for me. Terminator was custom-made for me, my style, my format, uh, bringing my son on board and ha- his analytics. I thought we made a pretty good team, and then we, we had just enough luck and avoided just enough injury, and here we are sitting with the, uh, the $10,000 first place, and thank you to FFPC for sponsoring this league. It was, uh, it was truly a wonderful uh, situation all, all year long following the team.
0: Yeah, I really don't know anybody who's played Terminator that's like, oh, man, I really didn't care for this contest. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like everybody who plays it uh, really enjoys it and comes back uh, again the following year. Uh, so, And congrats to you on that. It seems like you and your son have a, a very good yin and yang uh, relationship as far as, uh, uh, you know, uh, building these teams and deciding who to who to cut. And it, uh, a system of, of family checks and balances well instilled in this roster. And not only with this well Terminator team, But your your big dog team, too, uh, Tom, there there was some crossover between these two squads. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, I mean, you already talked a little bit, you know, trying to get that anchor stud quarterback in the fourth round. Um, And in both of these um, drafts, it was Tom Brady. But you also got Chris Hogan in both and Larry Fitzgerald as one of your top receivers in both of these as well. Take us through the thought process on why those three players ended up on both these teams, because they ended up being... You know, really, home run picks.
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, Eric. We um, we did put some homework into it. We put some hours into this, and and that's part of the fun. I mean, when you're watching these YouTube uh, videos and these uh, podcasts and the different professionals, whether it be on other sites or FFPC itself, uh, you know, you're you're taking in all that knowledge. But when it, when it, at the end of the day, you're coming up with a strategy. And you're living or dying with that strategy, you know. And 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 you're putting up enough money that you think you can spend, whether it's a big dog league or a thirty-five dollar best ball league. You're still going to get that adrenaline rush. You're still going to get that camaraderie with whoever is whoever your uh, assistant coach is. And uh, and you know we were we were fortunate and like you said blessed to be able to invest in a few of the uh, higher level teams. But if we were going to do that, I didn't want to just throw money at caution to the wind we wanted to do our homework and we did and uh it came down to some uh decision making so i jotted down a couple notes uh coming into this interview tonight and and this is this is where we got lucky i mean brady was was my decision on a couple of my teams by feel uh my son was uh was big on the uh girly hunt wherever we could get them this year analytically and that worked out because girly fell to the late first early second which we both know will never happen again. Not next year, but um, specifically to the Hogan Fitzgerald crossover. uh, I always like a hookup. So we went with Chris Hogan where we could get him. And then obviously he went down with the shoulder injury, or we might've walked away with this thing a little bit earlier in the, in the uh, season, maybe weeks 14, 15, but that's not the uh, way fantasy football works. But I do want to speak to Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, In knowing that we had a strategy of going heavy running back on several of our teams and having those, uh, you know, three down backs where we could get them, um, we had to make a decision, you know, not getting our first receiver till the fourth or fifth round. Many sites and many experts said that was not a formula for success. They said that if you, you know, you do that, you're really uh, throwing caution to the wind And that's a problem, but we stuck to our guns and we said, okay, let's make a list of, uh, of receivers that we will earmark if they get to us, depending on where our draft position is. And, and I made a little bit of a list. We, uh, we had some Martavius Bryant teams that obviously didn't pan out very well. Uh, we uh, targeted Hogan. I'm sorry. We, uh, we targeted Hogan, which we got in several leagues. And then our anchor, which was very fortunate for us, was Larry Fitzgerald. We said, you know what, everybody talks about this age factor and he's getting up there in years and this could be the drop-off year. Same with that Frank Gore, you know, it, this is the year he's going to fall off the cliff and this is the year he's going to get you nothing. And we said, we, we said, you know, it's a gamble, it's a risk. So who do we want in that fourth, fifth-round range? And, and we, we got as many Larry Fitzgerald teams as we could and when we couldn't get him because he got sniped before our pick, we went with people like um, Jeffries for Philadelphia or Hogan or Bryant. But obviously our two successful crossover teams, as you have mentioned earlier, included Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, I'm still here, Tom. Go ahead. Hello. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, But one other one other factor with the receiver position, you know, because we were waiting till late and we were going to stream receivers um, in our on several of our best ball teams. um, A couple of the sleepers we went with in the mid to late rounds included uh, Ginn, Stills, Gabriel, Sanu. And then the guy that I really liked and targeted in several leagues was this uh, Marquise Goodwin. Uh, He left Buffalo. He was a speed demon. He was on the Olympic track team or tried out for it uh, several years ago. And we felt good about him in the later rounds. And obviously the quarterback position in in, uh, San Francisco didn't come on until obviously Garoppolo took over. But we got some good production in that big dog league out of him in the mid to late seasons, uh, starting with that game that he caught the 80-yard touchdown pass. So we felt that streaming receivers was a way to go. We got some good number two receivers on some teams. They carried us, but our anchor through the entire year on as many teams as we could was Larry Fitzgerald. He really carried us. I don't know if he'll be our target next year. We'll have to do a little bit of statistics and a little bit of feeling, mix it all together, and see if we can't come up with another victory.
0: Yeah, and Fitz is an interesting guy that we're going to be talking about uh, next year. I think, you know, and, and now we're done with the 2017 season, but I think, there's always these certain storylines that develop uh, that I know what is going to be a big talking point throughout the preseason, throughout draft season, and I think one of the big ones that we're going to be talking about is how many running backs produced at a first round level uh, this past year, and how many will go in the first round next year. And there's a ton of candidates. You know, you look at guys right at the top of the uh, of the um, draft f next year, Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley are going to be up there. Remember, David Johnson had a wrist injury that, you know, is shouldn't be debilitating. It should not be something that causes him to, you know, all of a sudden regress to not the player he was before. Uh, he's still in the first-round conversation. Ezekiel Elliott was going, you know, sometimes first overall. We saw Kareem Hunt go first overall in many of the drafts out in Vegas this year. And I haven't even mentioned, I mean, The the two Saints running backs, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Devontae Freeman certainly didn't have the season that you were hoping for, but he's still in the conversation. Leonard Fournette, I mean, is up there as well. You have a ton of running backs. So I'm curious, Tom, do you anticipate a lot of those guys going in the first round next year, or do you still think that, you know, the guys like Gronk and and those other receivers are still going to be, um, you know, taken so so we're not going to see, you know, eight, nine running backs taken in the first round? What's your early feel on that? as we sit here and talk in, in late December.
1: Well, I'll tell you, um I think obviously if if any league wants to leave Antonio Brown till the sixth, seventh pick and I have that pick, then uh obviously my first round pick will be a receiver. But I, I, I hear what you're saying and I think you're right on, you're spot on. That uh I think those I guess I would call them anchors uh as the Elliots, the Bells, the girlies, the hunts, the the, the uh Fournettes I think these are the guys that, uh, you know, people are going to feel very good about their first round pick if they get, get someone like that. Now, as you get into the second and even early third rounds, you know, do you want to reach, do you want to uh, take a shot as we did this year? Um, you know, we had several teams with Crowell. I heard some really good things about him this year and and he was a bit of a bust, um, because of, you know, the team's record and, and, and a pretty average production. But, um, but yes, I think I think you're right on. I think uh, you know you do this for a living, and you're obviously an expert. I'm an amateur who happened to hit it pretty good this year. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, the Elliots, the Bells, the Girlies, they're going to be right there in the top uh, four or five picks. Um, but uh, but how far people will go? Will they go two? Will they go three deep? You know, reach for a Freeman or a Gordon in the third round? You know, like we did on our teams. Um, that that's a personal strategy uh it happened to work out for us this year i'll go back to last summer when i was watching these uh you know the experts give me advice you know through through youtube or wherever i was watching them and uh they would say you know uh have uh have a strategy and and stick with it and and that rung true to me you know don't don't be haphazard with it don't be all over the place or or go buy a magazine you know just do a little bit of homework and, and if you decide that for your fantasy team you know the uh, the best way to go is I'm going to have two solid full-time running backs then then good for you and you and if you make that decision you you know you live or die by the sword and whatever results they give you but uh, but I thought that was good advice that I heard heard last summer is that have a strategy, do your homework, and then wherever the chips fall, they fall. And uh, for us, they fell uh, ten thousand to the good, because we happened to fall with uh, Hunt, uh, Gurley, and Freeman, which which really rode our team to victory.
0: Yeah, definitely. You got to trust the process. You know, trust in yourself. Trust that the way that you're doing this is the correct way. And and you know, you can't you can't play the games on a computer. You can't play them in your head. You you know, they play them out on the field. So all you can do is acquire as much good information as possible, make the best decisions and uh, hopefully it bounces your way. And it definitely did bounce your way uh, for sure. In terminator, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Tom, Tom Murphy, our guest tonight here on the high stakes fantasy football hour, the uh, 2017 FFPC terminator champ. I'm curious. And we obviously, you know, we don't, there's a lot of rookie running backs, uh, you know, the 2018 rookie class, uh, we don't know who's coming out yet. We don't know who's going to be there, but as far as young running backs that you saw this season, that, maybe weren't drafted at all, maybe they were drafted late, maybe they were picked up on the waiver wire because they flashed. Was there anybody that you saw this season uh, at any point flash the chops that you think, hey, this guy won't be as good as Kamara, as Kamara was this year or Kareem Hunt, but he's certainly – you know this is this is a name to pay attention to for 2018 because he could definitely outperform where he's going to go in draft was there anybody that you saw this year a deep sleeper that we should maybe keep our eyes on uh that could go in a double digit round next year that is going to outperform that
1: well if i had to come up with one name um obviously you you mentioned all the all the uh, young running backs that had great years the cook guy from minnesota was was dynamic until he went down unfortunately uh, with an injury the Fournettes, uh you know the Camara these were these were rock solid people but like you said Camara went a little bit deeper this year but he he was splitting time but he was just such a dynamic uh runner and ball catcher that uh nobody will be sleeping on him next year but the one name if i was to come up with one that that if we're talking outside of the top uh you know 6 or 8th eight, round type of thing would be this um the guy for um for Indianapolis, Mac, I think he could he could end up having a nice breakout year next year, and as a deep, deep sleeper, uh, could end up taking over, depending on what happens in the running back situation there, is uh, Foreman for uh, Houston. I think those are two names that I'll be keeping my eye on, and then as camps break, you know, in Ju- July and August, uh, watching what kind of carries they're getting, and see if they're not at least splitting time in their situations and, and possibly... Uh, in line for at least a split, if not a uh, three-quarters type of situation for next year. Marlon Mack and uh, uh, De- what's his, Devontae Foreman for uh, Houston.
0: Yeah, definitely Foreman and Mack, two guys that, as far as dynasty goes, uh, people were definitely hyping up, and they flashed. Uh, during the season, I've never been the biggest Lamar Miller fan. I know Dave Gerzak is not a big Lamar Miller fan either. So there is the opportunity for Foreman to step in to a pretty significant role. Obviously, with Deshaun Watson coming back next year, that is going to be a high-powered offense, and Foreman will be a desirable guy. And I don't think you're going to have to pay a whole lot to get him. And Marlon Mack, who knows? If if, if uh, Gore hangs it up and, and uh, Mack uh, is the starter next year, he could definitely be um, you know in a high powered offense if luck can come back from this uh, the shoulder thing too so a lot remains to be seen definitely agree with you two names to pay attention to Tom we do have some emails here late that I want to get to later on in the show but a couple of emails that came in specifically for you I'll get to right now the first one's from Andy in J., Georgia and I think you kind of already answered this but I'll let you expound on it if you want he writes uh, who's your top choice at receiver next season Antonio Brown DeAndre Hopkins or or someone else. Thank you for the email, Andy. Uh, so it sounds like it is Brown for you, uh, right? Even with the, you know, this this injury that that um, you know he'll he'll be back from at some point in the playoffs. You'd think, and it doesn't sound like it's it's going to hamper him at all into 2017. Uh, but he's getting up there in age. He's still your number one receiver, though, uh, for drafts next year. Correct?
1: Absolutely. Um, Antonio Brown's a special player. He's uh, he's very unique. It's it's one of those uh, once in a lifetime type of uh, situations. In Pittsburgh. And um, I, uh, I'll tell you a guy that I uh, did not take as much as I wanted to um, is the uh, AJ Green for Cincinnati. He's a high target guy. He's a solid player. He goes up and gets the ball comes down with it more often than not. Um, I was very shocked at how how deep uh, DeAndre Hopkins fell in some leagues. I just missed him in I think the the early third round in one league and I thought that was unbelievable. that that he almost fell to me there, but we missed out on him. And, um, yeah, that's – I'll tell you a guy that my son was very high on this year and his production was great again and and my field didn't allow for him to be drafted is the uh, Crabtree in Oakland. He uh, Year in and year out, he's like Larry Fitzgerald. He just keeps ticking and ticking and getting it done and catching touchdowns and yardage. Uh, he, he, He faded a little bit as the season went on, and Oakland itself as a team had a couple of week, weeks that weren't so good but again if we're talking about a best ball format and he's one of 5 or he's one of 6 that you get somewhere in that uh fifth or sixth round boy I think that I think that's really a steal to get guys like that but going back to the question on the gentleman from Georgia um yeah I there is nobody that I would take before Antonio Brown uh you know uh Jordy Nelson I was high on this year uh we got him in a few leagues and uh and Rodgers went down to injury but um Devonte Adams was another fourth fifth round pick that that stepped up real nice I liked Cobb to have a comeback season and I think for the most part uh again not being an analytic guy I don't have a a clipboard full of stats in front of me but uh Cobb had a very nice year as far as as far as me and feeling it um Went this year, but uh, Antonio Brown to the gentleman from Georgia will always, you know, be right up there. If if he drops to pick number, you know, five, six, seven, if if there's going to be four running backs off the board and he goes in that five, six, seven range, I think you're getting an absolute steal in that range with the talent of an Antonio Brown. Yeah, it's it's
0: hard. It's really hard for me. As much as I want to say Hopkins right now, given what he did, basically with no quarterback after Watson went down, I still have to put my uh, my chips on Antonio Brown before Hopkins. Although Hopkins in the first round too, I think is is a fine way to spend a pick uh, as well. Let's go to Bill and Matthews, North Carolina. He writes, "Hi Tom, what happened to Amari Cooper this year, and what round would you look at drafting him in 2018?" Congrats on the Terminator title. That is Bill in Matthews, North Carolina. Thank you for the email, Bill. And, Tom, this is interesting because Cooper was a guy, I want to say was drafted sort of in like the second, third round area, that 2-3 turn. And really, I mean, I I know he had injuries this year. He was battling a lot of stuff throughout the season, tried to gut it out, but he had some performances where he was just non-existent uh, on the field. Derek Carr wasn't even looking towards him. What happened this year, and what round uh, would you be looking at drafting him next season?
1: Um, I'll, I'll tell you, Eric, uh, we were not very high on Cooper this year, but again, looking back at our strategy, we couldn't get him where we would have even considered him. So he was not on any of our boards or, uh, sheets of paper on a clipboard, I should say. Um, so we, uh, we knew we weren't going to get him. And, uh, so we, we didn't even have him, uh, in our, in our rankings on on the higher level. Um, the big knock we had on him was twofold. He drops a lot of his targets. Uh, I don't know if it's just a little uh, slip-up on his part, a focus thing, but, but we, we avoided him last year. Uh, he would have to fall to us, uh, maybe in that unheard of, but maybe like the fourth round for a number one receiver that uh, that's unheard of. But another name that, that didn't get to us many times in that first, second, third round uh, that I thought had an outstanding year was uh, Keenan Allen. For the San Diego Chargers. Um, you know, with us streaming our receivers, we were hoping to get Allen on a couple of teams in that uh, late third, early fourth round, and, and that was a pipe dream on our part. Uh, people in your audience did their homework. Uh, the fantasy football world is a very competitive world. And um, so we had him. <laughs> we thought maybe we could steal some Keenan Allen in the uh, late third, early fourth round, and that was just a pipe dream on our part. I would say next year, Amari Cooper, he would have to fall to us in a very favorable spot uh, late third um, to, for us to even consider him. But someone like a Keenan Allen, it, it, you know, he's, he's going to probably get back into that uh, into that mid-second, late-second round uh, area. And that, that, that'll be a tough call for us because, you know, Phillip Rivers is a competitor. He's a run-and-gun kind of guy. He throws it all over the place. And I thought uh, Keenan Allen was uh, a great pick for this year, and he had some good production for people that were fortunate enough to get him.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk about um, the FFPC Playoff Challenge uh, here. And, and, Tom, I don't know if you're planning on playing in it, but basically for, a, for anybody who's not uh, familiar with it, you pick one player uh, from, uh, you know, for, not from each team in the playoffs. It's a 10-team lineup, so there's two teams that make the playoffs you won't choose a player from. Uh, and then uh, that is going to be your lineup or that, you know, that that's your roster for the entire playoffs. If there is a player that you uh, felt is a must play, a guy that's really going to uh, help you in the playoff challenge, get you to the top of that leaderboard and that hundred thousand dollar grand prize, who would it be? And then a player that you think is, is uh, going to be overrated over owned and not a player that's going to help you get to the top of the leaderboard.
1: Um, well, I'll start with the second half of that question. Um, as we saw in the uh last week's games, I think Philadelphia was a little bit exposed by Oakland and uh nothing against the guy. He came in under very tough circumstances, stances, but uh Foles uh fell apart a little bit there in uh week uh, sixteen and which obviously takes uh some value from those receivers. I think that NFC's got some tough defenses that Philly will be going up against. So I'll be shying away from Philadelphia players. I'm uh, looking more at the uh in the NFC the uh New Orleans Rams obviously Gurley, um Minnesota's defense type of thing but I would say if you if you had to pin me down and and look for one consistent player that I would target if I had a uh you know any lineup I could make um if I if I get in which I'm planning on uh, several of the uh playoff leagues including your FFPC I will definitely uh be targeting Le'Veon Bell and um, obviously Gurley. I'll have some Gurley's, some Bell's. Um, if I want to mix it up, I'll probably look at some Hunt and some Camara. Uh, I don't know why, but I like Camara's upside more than Ingram. And again, not being a statistic guy, I'm sure Ingram had way better uh, rushing stats than Kamara, but I just think Kamara's a dynamic player who every time he touches the ball can take it to the house. And so those, those are some names I would throw out there. Um, I'll, I'll probably have some Minnesota D's, some Rams D's, some Kansas city D's. If you recall the first week of the NFL season, Kansas city upset new England. I don't know if that's a sign of the thing of times to come in the playoffs, Pittsburgh, new England came down to the last play of the game. So I think the playoffs, there's a lot of parody. I think it could be wide open. um, so I think this uh, FFPC playoff uh, challenge is going to be a wide-open affair with uh, an opportunity for anybody. I think uh, I think someone's going to sneak out of nowhere. You know, is uh, McCaffrey going to have a big playoff? Who knows? How far are they going to go? You know, can Breeze light it up? Uh, Michael Thomas, you know, I had some Michael Thomas teams this year where I was fortunate to get him. Um, I think there's a lot of parity where two or three AFC or two or three NFC teams could really make a run, and thereby your uh, FFPC challenge uh, playoff teams could include several sleepers. You know, does a does a Rudolph from Minnesota light it up at the goal line and score three or four times? Does um, does one of the uh, backup receivers does a uh, Watson or Woods for the Rams? Does Goff hang in there? Or do they run run girlies? you know, out of the stadium. Um, it, it's going to be very exciting. And I think, I think, uh, the one thing I liked about the Terminator that, that made it very exciting is when we got to the playoff or tournament rounds in weeks 14, 15, 16, and I imagine it's similar for the playoff, uh, PC, you have a running score. So you kind of see your team where it is and where it's going and where it's falling. And, and I think that just makes for a great adrenaline rush and, uh, for those of us who love love the situation, it, it makes for some good competitive uh, fantasy football, and um, I'm hoping that uh, some of my teams can place. So that would be great.
0: That would be great, and certainly that NFC bracket, as you said, is going to be wide open, uh, especially with some of the new quarterbacks that are not used to playing in such high-leverage situations trying to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, let's talk about uh, the fun part. $10,000 to the Terminator, you cash more than $4,000 in in uh, in other events in the FFPC this year, so you're going to be getting uh, the better part of 15 grand back uh, if you want uh, to take all that out right now. Uh, obviously, you know, minus what whatever you put into the playoff challenge. But what's, uh, do you have any plans for that cash, Tom? What are you uh, are you doing anything fun with it?
1: Well, actually, um, we're it's a it's a nice little chunk we're going to put into the bank. I have a separate account, and I, I would advise everybody that's in the listening audience to obviously only gamble within your means. You know, if you're, if you're a $50 kind of guy, then then have a lot of fun in the $50 leagues and don't reach for the, you know, $700 leagues. But if you're, if you're able to uh, go, go heavier then go heavier and have a lot of fun with it. But, uh, but part of that will go into my pool, my kitty, my, my uh, stash for uh, future uh, investments, if you will. And then part of that will go uh, into the bank and, and my wife and I will decide how we're going to disperse that and, and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, uh she's got some back surgeries coming up and, and maybe when she recovers from those we'll we'll plan a little trip or uh do something nice uh for her because she tolerates us throughout the summer and into the fall when we're uh doing these fantasy football leagues. So so to answer your question we we don't have a, a an exact plan for it other than uh, you know, I'll put a few hundred into the, into the playoff leagues. And then uh, from there, who knows?
0: Who knows indeed. And uh, the playoff challenge, I want to remind everybody the the world famous FFPC playoff challenge is live. You can register your teams today at myffpc.com. compete for a $100,000 grand prize and a $600,000 prize pool paying all the way down to 550th place at a cost of only $200 per team. All you need to do is pick an FFPC roster of 10 players, Choosing only one player per team in the playoffs, no roster management required. We've added more than $120,000 to the prize pool this season, as well as 150 more teams being paid out. Don't delay. Sign up today for the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge at myffpc.com. Tom, let's get into some news uh, around the league, uh, as long as, you know, we're not setting lineups really this week uh, too much because uh, it's week 17. But there is stuff that we can glean from what happened this past weekend. Uh, to what we will be doing in drafts next year. Leading that thing, or leading that off, I want to thank football guys, Roto Pass, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown, by the way. Todd Gurley in Week 16, 118 yards rushing, 10 catches for 158 more yards and two touchdowns. That was on 13 targets. Gurley obviously crushed it last year. I'm curious, Tom, if you get the number one overall pick in 2018 in your drafts, how likely is it that you will be using that pick on Todd Gurley?
1: I would, I would obviously, he would be a strong, strong consideration. I think he's, uh, he's definitely right up there in the top two or three. But, but that's what makes fantasy football so great, is that everybody has a different opinion or a different team they root for, or whether it's picking by your heartstrings or picking by your analytics. You know, it's all an individual thing. But if I, if I have the, if I'm fortunate enough to have the number one pick, uh, I would give strong consideration to Gurley. But I will say this, uh, Le'Veon Bell and Zeke Elliott would also be uh, on my board in terms of that, um, in terms of having the first overall pick. I would like to add to that, though, this year with the uh, Big Dog League as well as the uh, Terminator team that, that we won it with, our picks, our, number, our first picks, I don't have it in front of me, but I had no early round picks in any of my leagues uh, that we placed in. So people in the audience today that are saying, oh, Darn it! I didn't I didn't get to pick till you know pick seven or pick eight or pick nine. Uh, I believe our Terminator team, um, Gurley being our first round pick, was somewhere in the uh, eight, nine, ten range. So, for those people out there that say you know if you don't have a top three pick you can't win a league, that is, we are living proof that that is absolutely not true. We placed and we won several leagues where we were the eighth pick through twelfth, eight through twelfth pick. What it comes down to is a little bit of luck. Uh, like you said earlier, David Johnson went down with injury. Uh, Antonio Brown had a bit of an injury. Zeke Elliott had the uh, suspension. So there there was some, uh, you know, un, unforeseen things that happened. But then uh, there was also some homework on our part, some diligence and some uh, fortunate avoidance of uh, injuries. And so picking in that 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 can absolutely culminate in a championship, and we're living proof of that.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, I, 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 you know, sort of not a really necessarily on the flip side of that, but, you know, I saw people lose David Johnson, who was their first overall pick, and then they still, you know, did very, very well. There was one team in the FFPC main event who had the 101, used it on David Johnson, obviously lost in week one and he still won 11 and0 in the regular season. I don't know if he ended up winning his league in, in week 13, but I know he was in his championship game. So it's certainly possible you don't not only do you not need a top three pick to cash a five figure or six figure uh, grand prize, uh, sometimes you can have a top three pick and then that, have that guy go down, and you still end up doing very, very well. So there, there's a zillion different ways uh, on how to win these leagues for sure. Uh, Travis Kelsey this past weekend, four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that was on eight targets against the Dolphins this past week. Patrick Mahomes might be the starting quarterback for Kansas City next year, and uh, certainly that would be a good thing if Mahomes is going to push the ball down the field to guys like Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, when you look at tight ends this year, uh, we saw Zach Ertz, not come out of nowhere, but certainly definitely uh, outplayed his draft position uh, you have uh, Travis Kelsey, who obviously crushed it, was taken as the first tight end uh, in a few leagues that I saw this year. And then, obviously, Rob Gronkowski did very, very well this year. Who's your number one tight end next year, uh, it, as I ask you this, on December 29th, Tom?
1: Well, obviously, Gronk leads everybody's board, and the only question with him is, is the injury factor as well as the uh, holding it together factor as far as discipline. Um, but aside from Gronk, when you take him out of the mix, whether it be because of personal preference or uh, or you just don't want him in terms of injury, then I think uh I, I narrow it down to um to to four other ones. Um I like Travis Kelsey, I like uh Olsen, uh who who got hurt this year, but I also liked um I liked Rudolph and Ertz. This year, and they both had uh, very, very productive seasons, and you could get them at much better value, a little bit later on. I would like to remind your audience of that fact that in this, uh, in this Terminator Championship, um, our, I, we streamed four or five tight ends, which we got as late as round 25 and 26, but our early tight ends, which we didn't take until the uh, middle rounds, were uh, Jason Witten. And uh, for Dallas, and then uh, we took a flyer on this Ingram for uh, the Giants, who was coming around and uh, had a very productive year. He scored for us on several weeks. We kept him right through to the end, and when it came right down to it, in week 16, um, watching the scores minute by minute and game by game, um, it came down to some rosters that had similar players to ours, the same players, and a difference maker for us was Jason Witten, who I believe we got in the uh, – probably around the eighth round, eighth or even later, eighth round, and he ended up really carrying us with like an 11-point uh, week 16. Um, so, that, so so really, you know, it's just do your diligence, uh, have a belief in who you're going to take. And, um, you know, but, uh, but I would go with those guys. Gronk is at the top of the list always. And then Kelsey Olsen seemed to be that second tier but but I avoided them this year, uh, and and I looked at more of the Rudolph Ertz in that fourth or fifth round, where and when we could get them.
0: Uh, let's talk about another tight end who's I don't think anybody's drafting him as, as the first tight end off the board, but he's been uh, sneaky good uh, the last few weeks. Eric Ebron, five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown in week 16 against the Bengals. Ebron, I, I read – was this on ESPN that I saw, but basically – his last three weeks of the 2017 season have been his best three weeks. And two of those three weeks have been uh, – or his best three weeks in his career, two of them have been in the last three weeks. So certainly he is coming on. He is white hot right now. This is as good as we've ever seen Eric Ebron play. And, Tom, does this late season performance make you think that he actually could be a sleeper for the whole season next year? You know he's a free agent. We don't know where he's going to be. But if Detroit does sign him and keeps him with Matthew Stafford in that offense, I mean, everybody's healthy right now in Detroit. Golden Tate's playing, uh, Kenny Galladay's playing, and Marvin Jones is playing. I mean, it's not like he's taking advantage of somebody missing from this lineup. But if he ends up re-signing in Detroit, I mean, Ebron is a guy that's got to be climbing up draft boards. What are your thoughts on Ebron next year?
1: Um, I like him. I I think him and Stafford have a a good uh, mix together. I think they have a good connection uh, together. The the knock on him in the summer was the uh, injury factor. Uh, we we almost got him in one league in like the eighth or ninth round, and, and someone sniped him before our pick. But I could absolutely see him being a uh, coveted tight end next year by some teams uh, that, that believe that Stafford and him will have that connection. The nice thing about Detroit is, is in these best ball leagues, they wing it around, so – I had a couple weeks where Marvin Jones was catching, uh, you know, one touchdown and he even had a week with two touchdowns that helped me beat somebody in another league. But, um, but Ebron will have his weeks. You know, you just have to be willing to either uh, if you're in a, in a uh, league where you have to set a lineup, you know, you're going to have to do your homework and your best guess on when to play him. And the beauty of a best ball league is I just draft two or three of them and say, Hey, Whoever wants to come up big this week and have a 15-point week, I'll, I'll more than accept it. So yes, I believe Eric Ebron will be a, uh, a good, solid pick next year. Again, depending on where you could get him, I I wouldn't take him probably before round. Oh, I would say five or six here in December. But who knows? If he becomes the go-to guy, maybe he s- slides up to that Zach Ertz, uh, Kyle Rudolph range of the uh, fourth or fifth round. For me personally sixth or seventh round shows great value and anything after that is is gravy train as far as Eric Ebron as far as I'm concerned
0: you know another guy that's going to be shooting up draft boards is uh, next year I'm assuming is Derrick Henry the Marco Murray actually now the early diagnosis with that injury that he had on Christmas Eve was an LCL sprain I've heard other stuff with the MCL I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that but it doesn't speak well Uh, for Murray to have this injury. And this is a guy with a lot of mileage on his legs and and on those knees and a guy that um, is going to uh, uh, be due $6.25 million in Tennessee next year. So he easily could be cut. And if he does all of a sudden you have Derrick Henry there and maybe this is finally where he's freed and he could finally be the, you know, the 20 touch per game running back that they saw. If Murray is released, do you view Derrick Henry as a top 10 running back next year, Tom?
1: Um, I do. I think he can be. Uh, he would be somebody that we would definitely keep our eye on in terms of targeting. Tennessee seems to be a run-first team. Uh, Malarkey wants to uh, run the ball. But um, to see that happen before I'll believe it. I, I, I heard that rumor this past summer that they were going to split time or Murray, Murray was on the decline. You know, that was one of those many tales that were out there. Um, and I just uh it, it, I would have to see it before I believed it. Um, I think DeMarco Murray is still the man uh and until he's not uh he's he's the guy but uh yes I I absolutely am high on Derrick Henry I I thought he got you know less production this year than I than I projected that he would uh and and obviously whether it's fantasy football or coaching or playing any sport you never wish an injury on anybody um it just it, it fell that way and and DeMarco has this this thing going on whether it's a sprain or or God forbid anything uh, worse than that. But uh, you know, if 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 he's let go because of financial considerations, or 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 a desire for them to uh, increase playing time for Derrick Henry, or or to just make an all-out switch, we've seen that happen with many teams. Mixon comes to mind in Cincinnati. Then yes, I believe Derrick Henry would be a top ten running back in Tennessee.
0: Let's stick with his teammate. This is a guy that uh, actually let me down a lot of drafts. I drafted him as a, my number five receiver in a lot of spots. Corey Davis actually had those, that hamstring injury that that really um, you know killed uh, his first couple months of his season. But week 16, six catches, 91 yards against a very good defense in the Los Angeles Rams. And obviously we know that Corey Davis being, you know, next year being his second year in the league, we know he's going to be drafted higher than he was this year. Are you worried about the hype not matching the stats, and the guy that I'm going to compare him to was Devontae Parker, a guy that a lot of people thought was going to take that step forward this year, a first-round receiver uh, that um, was, was going to be able to really make his mark as far as fantasy goes. And he let down a lot of people this year. What are the chances that yeah. Corey Davis, his hype next year doesn't match up with what he uh, will actually do in 2018?
1: I think that's the beauty of fantasy football. You know, he may be your, uh, your 20th wide receiver, and he may be my 30th wide receiver. And that, that's what makes it great. And that's what makes it wonderful. Uh, I think Corey Davis is an outstanding talent. Uh, but just like the Keenan Allen's of the world, you know, they, they drop in these drafts because of the risk of injury. And, uh, you know, the people out there that do their analytics and do their homework, uh, they have statistics for these things I, I saw a site where you know you could see what a guy's uh injury risk was percentage wise and how many games he was slated to miss point five games or two games a year or or whatever and And Corey Davis definitely falls into that category. when he came back for the last preseason game he uh he tore it up, I believe he had one very good preseason game which which put people such as yourself high on him. Um, he was not on our radar because one of the first things we do is uh, we say as a team primarily a run team or primarily a pass team or a mix-it-up type of team, like New England being the best example of that. But uh, we had had Tennessee slated as a run-first team, so we did not have a lot of Corey Davis. But in a best-ball league, he is exactly in line with what our philosophy was of streaming wide receivers, so if you could get him later, it was great. Um, like I said, we took the Martavius Bryants, the Gins, the Stills, the Gabriels, the Goodwins, you know, and, and he would have fell right into that pot of people for a best ball league. He just didn't have the production because, uh, unfortunately, he was dealing with injury for most of the year. But, yes, I feel that next year he'll, he, he's going to be on people's draft boards. It's just a question of where.
0: Tom, we, uh, we're coming up uh, against the hour here, but I do want to get to some emails here. So we'll go maybe like five, ten minutes over to, to try to answer some of these emails here. And the first one is from Brian in Long Beach, California. He writes If the Rams decide to re sign Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup takes a step forward after a solid rookie year, and Robert Woods continues to make plays. Who is the first Rams receiver off the board next season? Thanks, guys. That is Brian in Long Beach, California. Boy, that's a good problem for the Rams to have. If they uh, end up keeping Watkins, they'll still obviously have Cup and Woods. Who is the first guy that you would take out of that trio next year?
1: Wow. Um, I guess what you'd have to look at, Brian, is the format of your league. And if you're playing FFPC, which is the only online league that I play, along with some family and friends live leagues, uh, The FFPC format um, rewards uh, receptions as well as yardage. So I would have to say that my first pick, if I was ranking the Rams receivers, would be Cup or Coop, however you say it. Uh, I think that Goff really looked his way um, and, and gave him a lot of opportunities. I don't know what the targets were. Again, look at the analytic guys for that. Uh, Sammy Watkins, I would rank as the big ball guy, the, the guy who's going to make the big play, but with a lot of dangerous potential. You know, he could have that 100-yard game with, with without blinking an eye. And I would probably myself put Woods at the bottom of that list, but not, not in any knocking or uh, disservice type of way. You know, there's only so many balls to go around. But if I was ranking the Rams receivers for next year right now here today, I would probably go in an FFPC format. I would probably go
0: Cop Watkins Woods. There you have it in uh, Brian in Long Beach, California. Jim in Independence, Ohio writes, I'm going to jump into the playoff challenges here, and I obviously know a Patriot is must-own. The question is which one? Thanks for the email, Jim in Independence, Ohio. You know, this is interesting. I know you're a Gronk fan, Tom but there's going to be people who are like you know maybe maybe i play cooks because of the big play potential maybe brady is my quarterback since i'll get double points in the super bowl and, and i and i view uh, you know, maybe people are are viewing the Patriots as you know the the lock to get to the Super Bowl from the AFC. And then there's another school of thought. Maybe you want a running back and go contrarian, and you want to go uber contrarian. And instead of taking Deion Lewis, maybe take a guy like Rex Burkett. There's any different any which way to go. And I didn't even mention their defense or Guskowski. For you in the playoff challenge, who do you think is the is the Patriot to own this year?
1: Well, the the simple answer, the quick answer. My impulsive answer is everything that happens in New England goes through Brady. So my first thought would be to take Brady if you want consistency, to take Brady if you want big play potential, to take Brady if you're just looking at I know this position is a lock and I can look elsewhere to fill my other slots. Um, so, so that would be my first response. Uh, but if you want the best at their position and the chance to just pull away with points, you got to look at Gronk. Um, I have not done a playoff breakdown yet, but uh, I probably won't be looking at Cook very much. I am very intrigued by Deion Lewis. Um, He would probably be my main running back, especially in a playoff format where you pick your players for each position. Um, I probably would have some Brady, some Gronk and some, uh, possibly some New England defense because they can be opportunistic and come up with big plays. But if I was going to reach or needed to fill a slot, um, I may look at Deion Lewis. Brady and Gronk are probably the most sure things.
0: Deion Lewis getting some buzz in the chat room right now, too. A lot of people are liking him for sure for this competition. Let's go to Pete in Eagle Lake, Texas. Happy New Year, gentlemen. When I when I was reading up on the Bucks this week, I noticed that there is a decent shot that Tampa releases Deshaun Jackson. If that's the case, is Chris Godwin a sneaky sleeper behind Mike Evans for targets there next season? Thanks, guys. That is Pete in Eagle Lake, Texas. That's going to be an interesting offense to watch next year because – O.J. Howard will be uh, in his sophomore season in the NFL. You'd like to think that Mike Evans can't be any worse than he was this year. And, you, have, you know, you could make the same case about Jameis Winston. But Chris Godwin's actually looked pretty good uh, in the games that Jackson's been hurt or, you know, was inactive or was ineffective. What do you make of Chris Godwin in 2018, Tom? Um,
1: I like him. I uh He he was a name that came on our board for late picks, streamers, and wide receiver this year. We did not pull the trigger on him, and that was a mistake on our part, Um, especially if Deshaun Jackson is let go. Uh, Mike Evans is the guy there, and Jameis Winston uh, was supposed to have predicted to have a breakout year, and it just didn't happen. As we all know, it's the NFL. They they play great players every week, and uh, things happen. But Chris Godwin has a great opportunity to – to rise up next year. He is one of the players that we will put on a watch list uh, to see if uh, in the off season or actually the preseason, uh, you know, what what his connection rate is, his target rate with uh, Jameis Winston to see if he's worthy of a, of a mid to late round pick. I probably would not reach and uh, go up to get him too high. Like uh, I'm I'm thinking in the uh, eighth to 10th round type of type of situation or even later, depending on, you know, where he falls. Uh, but with Deshaun Jackson gone, you know, he may not be there in that ninth or tenth round um, situation. That they, they they also have the other tight end, Brait, who, uh, you know, is a goal line uh, hawk and intends to get some looks down at the goal line. But, you know, that was another joke my son and I had is that uh, Mike Evans, we, we avoided him cause of, because of the, where you had to take him to get him. And it turned out good this year, but uh, – we were watching this game last week where he came down with some some tremendous balls and looked like a like a Hopkins kind of receiver. And so uh, you know sometimes you just look at each other and say and say maybe we should have and we didn't. But uh, Chris Goodwin's a good good solid pick for a streaming situation. I don't think he'll be the uh, first or second option of Jameis Winston, but he'll have some games next year.
0: Yeah, definitely and certainly best ball uh, players take note because that is the type of guy that you'd want on your uh, team as long as he doesn't ascend too far up in ADP. Vince in Teterboro, New Jersey. Dear Tom and Balky, maybe this is best for Balky given his proximity to the green and gold, but what do you think Green Bay is going to do at running back next year and where does the fantasy value lie? Thanks for the email, Vince. So you have Ty Montgomery. On uh, IR next year, there's, uh, I, I would say, rumblings. Um, I, and I would never say, like, this is, you know, well-placed within the organization. But there's rumors that Ty Montgomery could be moved back to wide receiver next year. Uh, that remains to be seen. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones obviously look very good uh, in uh, in moments this year. And Jamal Williams definitely carrying the load in several games for the Packers this year. Uh, what about you, Tom? What do you think about this situation, the, these Packers running backs? And... Um, it, will one of these guys end up being a value? And if so, which one?
1: Um, well, my first response would be that uh, the Packers to us are a, uh, are a cast first team. Everything goes through Rodgers, and uh, he's obviously got the, uh, the weapons outside with uh, Nelson Adams and Cobb. Uh, and even this Allison guy, um, we'll be keep, keeping an eye on him depending on what happens with the other three. So, so I, I don't know, um, there was a rumor this past summer that they wanted to be a more balanced team. The team that I felt did do that in saying they wanted to do it was New Orleans Saints. Um, I believe their coach followed through on that, uh, we want to be more balanced, and it benefited them greatly. But the teams, um, the, the Green Bay Packers to us are a pass-first team. Having said that, you know obviously Montgomery last year caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. Um I would say if I was looking at a running back for next year with them in his second year, I would look lean heavily towards Jamal Williams and uh not knowing, not to know, projecting, just at this time uh impulsively my answer would be Jamal Williams.
0: Yeah, I think we'll pay attention to what they do in the offseason um and especially if, if Montgomery does end up getting moved back uh to uh to receiver uh, that will, you know, certainly a, be a feather in the cap for Jamal Williams next year, too. Uh, and, and that that is a decision that, that should be made pretty early in the offseason, I would imagine, for Green Bay. Final email tonight is Kevin in Harper, Oregon. I'm trying to build my playoff challenge roster and struggling what to do in Minnesota. Is the Sharky play to go with the Minnesota defense? Thank you, Eric and Tom. That is Kevin in Harper, Oregon. So you look at Minnesota. You have Case Keenum, Diggs, and Thielen at receiver, Murray and McKinnon at running back. Rudolph's so at tight end. Um, but is the defense, the? I mean, you got to play somebody at defense. Minnesota certainly could go all the way to the Super Bowl, which will be in their home stadium. What do you think about playing the Minnesota defense in a playoff challenge lineup this year, Tom?
1: Well, Eric, uh, you obviously cannot go wrong with Minnesota's defense. Um, one consideration I'll, I'll be taking into account is uh, – who has the big play potential. Uh, And one guy that stands out to me is uh, if he's returning kicks would be Tyreek Hill for Kansas city to get the maximum value from the defense. But in terms of shutting people down and absolutely potential for shutouts or low scoring games, Minnesota tops that list along with the Rams. uh, Carolina seems to be coming into their own. Um, Jacksonville had a wonderful season in the AFC, but, uh, yeah I don't think you can go wrong by uh placing Minnesota um as your as your defense in a uh in a in a um playoffs format such as the FFPC
0: Tom, this has been quite a pleasure talking to you tonight. I certainly enjoyed picking your brain for the better part of, uh, what, 75 minutes now. I uh, want to wish you best of luck in the playoff challenge. I want to wish you best of luck in your 2018 leagues as well. And congrats on that Terminator title, man. And and who knows, maybe you you can make it two years in a row. I know you really enjoy the format. Seems like you and your son have a good handle on on how to attack it. Uh, And uh, you made the right calls this year. Maybe you'll do it again next year. In any event... Enjoy the win. Enjoy the moment. Uh, enjoy the NFL playoffs and thanks so much for coming on the show, man.
1: Eric, I really appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate what the FFPC puts out there. Um, I would like to, to shout out to, uh, I believe her name is Chris, uh, Chris for your your facility does does an outstanding job. Um, I'm not, I'm not a, a big email guy or complainer, but every time I sent an email to the FFPC with, for support, she would get back to me in, in very, very short time. I mean, unbelievably, like within an hour, within a half a day, if it was a more general question. So I do want to shout out to Chris and, and say thank her for, uh, for all that she tolerates with, with all of us uh, fantasy football players. And, uh, and just thank the FFPC for what you guys put on. I'm looking forward to the playoff challenge as well as next year. And uh, this was a real pleasure coming on with you tonight. I hope it was helpful to some of your listeners.
0: Definitely it was. I can definitely vouch for that. It, it certainly was. And uh, I will pass along the well wishes to Chris. She is certainly the lifeblood of, of what makes this organization uh, clip along uh, the way it does. Uh, and and uh, players like you, man, this was, uh, this was awesome to have you on. Be well and enjoy your weekend. Enjoy week 17 as well.
1: All right, buddy. God bless, and uh, have a great weekend.
0: Tom Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, the 2017 FFPC Terminator champion. Awesome stuff from him, and uh, I'm sure that is not the last we'll be hearing from him as far as uh, uh, success in ball formats. go. Uh, so with that, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight, uh, specifically Tom Murphy, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, uh, and, of course, each and every one of you. For those of you who are on or uh, have Sirius XM. I will actually be making an appearance on there tomorrow on Rotoballer Radio at 6.30 Eastern Time. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about the playoff challenge. Those guys are familiar with the format. We'll get into some strategy, some tips, uh, and uh, just more information about the playoff challenge in general. Get a fresh take uh, to look at that. That is uh, on Sirius XM Radio tomorrow night, 6.30 Eastern Time. It will be a fun show for sure. Uh, and uh, I want to remind everybody that we will be back next year. This is our last show of 2018. And, uh, or, excuse me, of 2017. We'll be back in 2018 next Friday. Dave Gerzak will be back in the studio. And we'll have the Bros versus Joes champ, on on. Mike Beard, at Beard's on long. Twitter. Writer for ProtoViz, Proto He will be our guest next week Register for the Playoff Challenge, everybody MyFFPC.com A lot of teams already sold there Week 17 hasn't even happened yet so make sure you get your teams in And your weekend officially starts right now This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour Presented by MyFFPC.com That was broadcast live and heard around the world Eric and Dave will be back next week With more analysis, interviews, and advice From a guest much smarter than they are Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Hey, and you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't wish everybody a happy new year. I don't even think I did that. So, happy new year to everybody. Be safe out there. Enjoy week 17, uh, and make sure you register for the playoff challenge. I will talk to you officially in 2018.